Welcome to Podcasts of Foes. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. To celebrate the launch of Canaan's Tome of Foes, we worked with more than 20 of the community's favorite live play D&D podcasts to record special episodes using monsters and lore from Tome of Foes. We love highlighting the creativity of these amazing players and dungeon masters, and hopefully you will find one or two new podcasts to follow. To find out more about these groups and Canaan's Tome of Foes, head to dnd.wizards.com slash mtof or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv slash dnd. I wanted to thank Victoria Rogers from the Broadswords for organizing all these amazing adventures from the community in this podcast of foes. And to find out about the next D&D adventure, check out the Stream of Many Eyes on June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. More information on that event can be found at dnd.wizards.com slash s-o-m-e. Have fun listening to this awesome one-shot adventure featuring monsters, stories, and lore pulled straight from Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, available in game stores on May 18th and everywhere else on May 29th. Have fun rolling dice! Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and tonight I am here as the Dungeon Master for our field trip into the Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Uh, we are going to be playing D&D 5e in an adventure that I wrote, which is inspired, keyword there, inspired by the soon-to-be-released supplement, Morgan Kanan's Tome of Foes from Wizards of the Coast. I would like to very quickly thank Wizards of the Coast for allowing us to participate in the Podcast of Foes event. And with that, let's meet our players and their characters. So first up is Quinn. Hello, everyone. I am Quinn Wilson, and today I will be playing Chadi the Githzerai Paladin. Excellent. And with us tonight also is Taylor. Hello, friends. My name is Taylor, and I'll be playing Micus, the Sea Elf Druid. Excellent. And last but certainly not least is Calum. Hello, this is Calum, and I will be playing Silence, a tiefling of Levistus, taken out of the Tome of Foes. Excellent. And with that, let's jump into the game, A Dark Reckoning. Our game opens looking at the castle keep of Shorewatch, which sits just off of the near dive. The day is bright and warm, with a strong breeze blowing across the keep, carrying away any sounds, as it appears to be deathly quiet. But then there is sound erupting from the previously eerily quiet keep. A young man wearing armor and the colors of Shorewatch stumbles out of the Barbian, and onto the lower drawbridge. Each step this young man takes leaves a bloody footprint behind that quickly flows together into an indistinguishable puddle. He takes one, two, three steps before collapsing first to his knees and then falling completely forward onto his face. His right hand is outstretched as if he's reaching for someone, but there's no one there. There's nothing there. At least not at that moment. A second later, a light, just a dot of light that is yellowish and pulsating, just appears about three feet off the ground, a few feet away from this young man. It hovers there in the air, and then it moves slowly left, horizontally, and then slowly back to center and then to the right. And where it moves, it leaves a, a trail behind. A line of this light is now visible there. The dot of light then moves back to the center once again and then goes straight up about six feet. 
And then, as if the very fabric of the world was the flap of a tent, reality peels back and we see into another place. And we see Chadi, Quinn's character. So what do we see of your character and what do we see behind your character in this other place that you are coming from? So the space behind Chadi appears to be a sort of swirling ephemeral nighttime scene where there can be seen a sort of explosively colorful palette against the dark night sky as well as some swirling sort of rocks moving around in the background. Excellent. And then what does Chadi look like? So Chadi is a Gitzerai, which means they stand about six feet tall. They have sort of pallid yellow skin. They have a crop of sort of messy hair. It's shortcut on the sides. But if once the top was styled, now it has lost all form. They are lithe but powerful. They wear a set of tinged brass chainmail and carry a large flail at their side. And in their hand right now, they have a string of somewhat large prayer beads that they are manipulating as they step through this portal. Okay. And as you step through completely, the the lines sort of zip back together. These three points of light converge back to the center point, and then it winks out of existence, and you are now fully into this world. Uh, what would you like to do? So... I will step forward as a sort of warm green energy begins to coalesce around my hand with the prayer beads in it. I will kneel down to this figure as I sort of press my hand toward their abdomen, intending to fill them with healing energy. So this uh, young, I say young man, he's probably in his early 20s, does not appear to be have any spark of life left in them. You can see that they're wearing, uh, it's a. It's sort of like, I guess, split mail is what it would be called. And it looks as though it has been crushed inwards and the the metal itself of the armor has punctured into their body. So like their entire chest has just been compressed in, there's, there's no saving this person. Upon realizing this, I set them down gently. Rest peacefully now. Bathe in starlight. And I stand, looking over their body. So there's the sign of an impact, and then... It doesn't actually look like an impact unless it was multiple, because it seems like the entire chest cavity has been compressed in, as if it was squeezed by something on all sides. Curious, this. But I believe that my company is due to arrive soon. So I am going to step clear away from the point of the body, and I am going to then begin once again manipulating these prayer beads as the fabric of reality begins to sort of ripple and warp in front of me, and the only intelligible word that can be heard in this mantra at the end is Mikus. So once again, there's a a rip, a hole in the fabric of space-time, 
and through it steps Micus. So first of all, Micus, what do we see behind you? What is on the other side of this portal? What you see behind Micus is a lake that opens up into a river on which he stands. Um, and this lake is small, it's very cold, uh, and the water is crystal clear. The lake is not a very impressive lake, it's a shallow lake, but the river's mouth in which it feeds uh, goes on to become one of the largest rivers in the land. And so this inauspicious start is still, you know, quite quite powerful in, in terms of sentimentality and ritual. And so there are multiple different stacked rocks there's a few altars that have been uh been there for centuries a few altars who have that have been there for only days this is a, a common area for natural magic and micah stands in the center of this river's mouth and kind of maybe only ankle deep and i'd like to think that some of the water as it's coming into this portal as it opens up spills out uh onto the the dry moat uh and just starts to like wiggle its way uh across the cobblestones so you will then step through the portal, and what do you actually look like? Micus is a sea elf, um, and I would like to think that Micus is um, sort of covered in like millions of, of iridescent scales, so kind of an underlying shade of blue or green, but depending on where the light hits, that's reflected in a rainbow of different colors. Micus wears a, uh, a suit of elven chain, um, which is linked out of interwoven uh, links of, of shells that have been worn down over, over millennia till they are just a ring that's left. And, and Micus carries uh, you know, a, a small backpack with a few different trinkets and um, plants growing out of it uh, and, and wears kind of this, a striking look that you see when you first look at Micus is a set of dark goggles uh, that obscure his eyes. All right, so you step into view and you see your acquaintance, Chadi. Chadi, who's your friend? Unfortunately, we did not have the time to be acquainted properly. I fear, however, that he may have had a run-in with my ex-fiance. It looks like they had run-ins with him. Multiple run-ins from that whole region yes by the time i arrived it was too late to perform any restorative works i fear what lies beyond the walls of that castle pity about the timing i know that you are more than proficient in in the healing arts uh which brings me to uh i i know that i was Initially coming alone, but uh, I'd like you to meet Silence. And I gesture back to, like, the open portal. Oh, yes. Please, please make way. I cannot stand any more of this wetness and cold. I, I told you I cannot bear that. I, I don't care where this portal goes. It cannot be worse than here. You see stepping through uh, the portal a tiefling who uh, is of average height, but rather slender, even borderline an emaciated figure. Uh, his complexion, it sort of looks like it might have been of a darker gray tone no, a while ago, but it, it seems like it's worn out. And his hair, which are raven, are strictly arranged in a city-slick fashion, combed all the way to the back of his head with a lot of fancy brillantine, but it's, it's tasteful and uh, 
and everything is come towards the back, but where it meets is two horns, which are unlike many tieflings, they're, they're kind of straightish, a bit more like antelopes. There's a curve in it, but very limited. He's wearing uh, what seems to be a, a blue silk uh, shirt, some tight pants, and he's got a, a studded leather jacket thrown nonchalantly uh, over, over his shoulders. So uh, why did you take me, my good Mikey's? Well, I think that I might have to ask my friend where, where they brought us. Oh, hello, hello. Pleased to meet you. I am Silence, uh, at your service. My name is Chuddy. It's nice to meet you, Silence. This place where I have brought the two of you is known as Shorewatch. I'm afraid that my intimate knowledge of this location is limited. I would say, however, based upon that gentle person, and they motion toward the corpse. Oh, oh, my, my good. What happened? Something beyond those walls poses something of a threat. And so I thank the both of you in arriving and offering your assistance. Anything for you? Micus, you know of the unfortunate quarry I hunt, but... Silence. Oh, the, the friends of my uh, acquaintances are my friends, uh, you know. And I s snap my fingers and you see my complexion turning to a much more human-like. My eyes turn human and sort of a, a large woolly hat takes the place of what where would be uh, my horns. And uh, pretty much I just look human, but uh, kind of the same stat stature and clothes, etc. Oh, well, I suppose then that I'll shoulder the burden of prejudice alone. Oh, you're too kind. Micus raises a webbed hand and just snaps his fingers and nothing happens. And he goes, well, worth a shot. <laughs> All right, so the three of you are on basically this side of the drawbridge. What would you like to do? There must be something here that's worth pursuing. I think perhaps the only way to find out is to enter. If there are more who need laid to rest, we shall attend to that when we have the time to give them what is due. I like your friend Mikey's. He's super intense, but I love his style. Yeah, no, then when he say worth, uh, is weight in gold or something uh, of that kind? Once, perhaps, she would have pursued something that was valuable in gold or electrum. These days, her marks tend to be a little bit more exotic. Exotic, I like that. Perfect. Very good. Uh, yeah, exotism is... Uh... It's a fine thing in itself. Sells very well. Uh, okay, I'm all in. I'm going to purposefully walk towards the castle. And I will join. I'm going to follow uh, with my hands in my pockets, uh, closing the march and uh, keeping an eye on things at the back. So you're able to quickly cross the distance of the drawbridge. And so once you clear basically the archway where the portcullis would be, which is currently open, it's sort of like an open area 
just inside the castle walls. It's basically, you know, a grass field, but there are certain areas that have been walked so often that they are now worn down to a, a clear path. There are several bodies that are splayed across the courtyard. Some of them are not in one piece, so it's kind of hard to get an exact count off the bat. There's a mixture of people who are wearing the armor and colors similar to the young man outside, probably castle guard of some sort, and others who appear to be merchants or civilians, peasants, not anyone that would be armed or armored, but all of them have been attacked the same. No one seems to be making any sounds or movement. And in particular, there is what it looks like at first might be one horse or maybe even two horses that have also been slaughtered. But it's only because they have been de destroyed so thoroughly that as you look a little closer, it actually looks like there might have been like four or five horses that have just been obliterated. I mean, there's pieces that are wholly missing as if they've been consumed by some sort of animal. It's just what happened to the people was very gruesome, but it pales into comparison to what was done to these horses. Horrendous creatures. But even such miserable things don't deserve a fate like this. Why do that to the horses? I mean, uh, where I come from, sometimes we eat them, but uh, we don't do uh, such things to them. The slaughter of the the people living in this area does not surprise me from your fiancé, but have you known her to ever gruesomely and wantonly disrupt animal life this way? Not in my experience, but to say that she was unaware of intimidation and terror tactics would be a mistruth. Perhaps that is where this came from. Perhaps she has fallen more than I have accounted for. Well, terror, terror tactics uh, usually uh, involve some witnesses to tell of your actions and uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like the person uh, who did this business uh, uh, yeah, bother to keep someone to tell the story. Maybe she knew we were coming, and we are the witnesses. Perhaps. That's quite uh, an ex you got there. Where did you meet? Uh, in, a, in a market? or? No. We met sailing astral seas, pursuing common goals. She really was something. And I look off a bit wistful before I shake my head, sort of grounded by the stench of the massacre around. Anyway, what's done is done. By my word, I will put an end to this madness. So as you look again at the courtyard area, there are bodies pretty much everywhere. But there is a higher sort of con concentration of the armored soldiers closer to one side, uh, as if maybe they were defending an area when they were attacked. Uh, there's also divots in the ground, claw marks. Uh, clearly, some sort of beast was involved. Whether that, that beast did all of this damage or not, you don't know. But clearly, some sort of animal beast, large by the size of its claws and, and footprints, does anyone have any training that they'd be able to roll and maybe determine what the creature is? Me, the druid. Uh, so Mike is 
scrunches his face a little bit, and you can see some, like, flaps shut over his nostrils. Uh, and is rolling a nature check to get down and dirty and investigate some of these wounds. Um, and I have a, a total of 14 for that nature check. That's not going to be able to identify the creature specifically, but it has elements that remind you of like maybe a large bear. There are moments where it's clearly walking on four four legs, it's quadrupedal, and then other times it has risen up on its back legs, and those are deeper where all of its weight is now only on two. It has claws on both its four, four front and back, uh, back feet. Uh, some of the damage that was done to the horses looks to have been teeth marks as well as these, these claw marks. So you don't think it's a bear, but that's like the closest thing that you can imagine based off of what you're seeing. And some of the bodies have what you would typically think of like sword strikes and, you know, normal combat damage. But the majority of things that are dead in this area look to have been from whatever this creature was. My friends, we should be on the lookout for a large and formidable, if troubled, creature. Speaking of lookout, do you think we should proceed a bit more uh, discreetly uh, when we approach uh, that place? Or are we just expected and uh, we will walk uh, straight in into what awaits us? Well, you know me. I'm always one for caution. Uh, and I give my goggles a little check. So you're in the courtyard of this castle. There's there's entrances into the castle itself on all sides. It seems pretty clear that the soldiers were defending an area which would be to your east. I think you speak wisdom, Silence. Caution is advisable. But also time is of the essence, so I recommend we not dawdle. Eastward there, it looks like there's a concentration of forces. Perhaps what Cthulhu sought was beyond that? Well, let's jump into it. So you make your way over there. Again, you're kind of walking through the destruction. Um, once you clear the soldiers' bodies, and they were quite gruesomely dis dispatched as well, there's enough viscera and, and blood that there are now tracks. You can see a four-legged creature tracks walking through. And there's a single set of boot prints that are also, there's enough blood that there's a few of those and they kind of fade away before the, the larger animal ones do. An absolute unit. Look at, the, look at the size of this lad. Have you known Carthusa to be traveling with such a long boy? I'm... Not sure what tactics she may have taken on in times recent, but historically she's allied herself with more humanoid compatriots. Okay. So are you going to continue to follow the tracks, I would assume? Yeah, yeah. So they lead you deeper into the castle. It, it actually, at some points, go downstairs and... Interestingly, that the the tracks of the large beast disappear at some moments, and then they reappear at others. Large distances, like much further than you would think a span of its step would be, or even a jump. Especially on like narrow areas or stairs, they disappear at like the bottom or top, and they reappear on the other side. But they appear often enough that you can continue to follow them. After a few moments, you're able to finally make your way down. There's a a door. That has it's it's slightly open, so it's a jar, but it's a door. 
but it's a very thick, heavy door with iron bands. It looks clearly this is a door that is normally locked and secured, and it's like maybe three inches open, and there's no sounds coming from the other side. Micus, I hate to impose upon you, but I believe that your senses are the keenest. Would you care to peer beyond the threshold and see if perhaps what we seek lies in wait beyond? Yeah, thank you for the compliment about my my good senses. I'm going to do just that. I hope I don't let you down. Um, And I'm going to roll, again, perception. I roll my eyes. (laughs) Uh, So this is a 21 now, as I am, like, peeking beyond. And if the DM would also allow it, I would like to cast Detect Magic. Okay. Uh, So we'll deal with the perception check first. So as you just, like, you know, stick your head in a little bit and peer through... Um, it's very clear that on the other side of this door is some sort of archive. It's like a library. There's books and scrolls just everywhere the eye can see. It looks almost like the construction of the bookshelves was very haphazard and added to over time because some of the walkways are very narrow and some are very wide and the types of shelves and, and cases don't match each other. So it's very eclectic. And it's very clear that something larger then a person has gone through them because some things have been knocked over uh, and you even see like spots of what you think are probably again blood prints, just like maybe the corner of one foot has on a piece of parchment that's been squished. Um, but you don't see anything currently active in the room. And you detect um, conjuration magic fairly strong. You probably would recognize it. It's very similar to the device that uh, Chadi uses to travel the planes so it, it seems it has a familiar sort of feel to you as what you're used to when you travel with Chadi. as i'm like detecting magic i like turn back to uh Ceylance and Chadi and i give them a good like grin and double thumbs up i grin back at you and show you the thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> i know you would not disappoint i knew too you are so the best at this. Uh, you are brilliant. Uh, yeah. Anytime I need to find something, and uh, you know, you remember that's why in the first place I came to see you in that. Uh, I'm sorry, I know it's your place, but uh, dreaded wet and cold place. But <laughs> you, uh, you are the best at finding things. Uh, that's what I heard from people who recommended your service, and I must say I am not disappointed. You are excellent. Ah, that warms my heart. So, Chadi, remind me again, Charthusa, does she have the same ability that you do to bring friends uh, from across the world to you? Yes, this string of beads is one of a pair. That's why I must also keep this on my person at all times, and I pull from my side an amulet that is tied to like the sash at my waist. This means she can't find me if I don't want her to. But yes, she has the same ability in that respect. Because I think that that is why, or that is how, uh, I should say, she brought that absolute unit into, uh, into her company. Fascinating. 
that means that she must have some ally who's raising creatures like this? Or who holds them in thrall, perhaps? That would be less surprising, I suppose. I'm sure you will deal with it uh, without an issue. I mean, Shadi seems like a, a very uh, resourceful person. Uh, I think we have nothing to fear, and uh, you come to explain things with Cartusa, uh, and yeah, we get it sorted. So, oh, should we proceed through that door? You, my good Mike, is you. You found out this uh, conjuration uh, stuff going on there. Uh, what do you think we should do? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to walk through uh, it. Go ahead. You know, Don't do not hesitate. Then, uh, yeah, there's no room for caution in a life lived to the fullest, and I intend to live my life to the fullest with you, friends. Uh, I say as I walk directly into the room. Well, if I may, it is not an, uh, an insult to your kin. Well, the world is your oyster. I like it. I like you. I like you too. And I just look at him walking to what might be his death. <laughs> <laughs> so you make your way inside, and uh, now that you get a little bit clearer look at uh, the the books, I'll say the books and scrolls. They are all appear to be mundane. This isn't like a wizard's library. These aren't spells or incantations. There are, you know, you can see bits of pieces that look like farm reports, taxation record, uh, rec records, census taking of uh, births and deaths of, you know, areas that are in the control of this kingdom. And as you kind of, the, the room is not circular, like it's not like a perfect circle, but it's not square. It's, it's sort of like it's been, there's, they've added bookshelves that are into the corners. So the room, you can only now move in like a circular fashion, if that makes sense. But the room itself looks to have been square at one point in time. So it's almost like a bit of a maze. Like you, you can't go straight anywhere in this room. You have to go right and then left and then go back right and go around these tunnels. Or not tunnels, I should say. But like the, the bookshelves are so overfull that they almost feel like you're in a tunnel. And again, some of them have been knocked over because of whatever this beast probably has come in. So it's, it's a bit of a cluttered mess, as I guess is how I would say that. But eventually you're able to make yourself uh, into what would be the center of the room. And the center of the room seems to be pretty well clear. So either the destruction was moved out of this area or it never actually happened there. And in the middle of that, that room, there's a pedestal. It's about maybe three to four feet tall. And you can even see where it once was. It's something that was in the room, but it's been moved from where it was to directly in the center. And there's a piece of parchment. It's about four to five inches tall. It's like six inches wide. It looks like an oversized envelope, very thick vellum like paper. And it's, it's sort of standing up. Imagine like if there's like a postcard just kind of sitting on, on the desk and either it's standing up by itself or it's leaning up against something that's smaller than it is on the other side. So you can't see what it is. Uh, but very clearly the word or the name Chadi is written on it in very precise lettering. I throw mage hand and I grab the paper and hand it to Shadi without getting close to, to whatever it with the expectation that something might blow up or there might be a trap. But yeah, just mage hand the the note back to Shadi. It seems to be uh, addressed to you, my dear. So as you snatch the piece of paper off, behind it, there is a device that's about four inches tall, four inches wide. It appears to be a cube, and it starts to move on its own. And it's think of almost like a Rubik's Cube, like part of it twists one way, part of it twists the other, goes back and forth, does this for like three or four seconds, and then it, it comes to a stop. And then there's this sort of 
sound behind you. And now the silence of the castle is even more complete. And there's a sense of pressure. And you almost feel like you're now inside of something that you can't quite see. Oops. So that sensation then, it's not just nerves. Anyone else feeling really dry in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something is not quite right. A certain uh, je ne sais quoi. Well, what should we do about it? Uh, should we destroy that cube? Uh? Well, let me see first if this has any information. And then I suppose we can examine the cube. And I will activate my own mage hand to actually complete the transfer, as that's a racial ability that I have. And I open, is it just like a piece of cardstock with the name, or is there anything? It is actually an envelope. Okay. You have it, so on the outside is your name, and there's another piece of paper inside of it folded up. Yeah, so I will remove that paper and examine it. The handwriting you do recognize as Carthusa, it's very precise print it's not so it's not even a cursive script it's just you know almost like a typeset it's so precise and on the inside it's it, basically it's a letter addressed the outside's to you but it says lover as the salutation mm-hmm. i wish that we could see eye to eye once again but unless you join me i can't have you stop me and i've left you something to play with and with that we'll roll initiative woohoo uh, i have a 14 Silence will be acting at 13. Uh, Micah's got a 15. So 13, 14, 15. All right, nice. Okay, Micah, you are first to act. So the, the cube worked itself. Then there was that sort of pressure feel like you're now contained in some way. Chadi read the letter. It, there was sort of, I don't know if, I assume you read it to yourself, but maybe at the mm-hmm. very end you might have said something like, uh-oh, but looking around, you don't see anything happening in the room. Is there anything in particular you want to do? So technically we're in initiative, but right now there's nothing to fight or do. But is there anything in particular you want to do before maybe, let's say, something does happen? Uh, I think with the uh-oh from Chadi, I think I we've, we've had an, enough run-ins that I know what kind of uh-oh that might be. And I would just like to supportively put my hand on your shoulder and... The spell technically is Barkskin, but I would love to sort of rename that and have it be Sharkskin, which means that your AC is no less than 16 at any given point in time. Thank you very much. And with that, Shoddy, you're up. Okay. There's nothing clearly visible yet. So I take a sort of defensive stance, and I'm surveying the surrounding. I take my flail to my shield and I start to tap the base of the flail against the shield, just sort of trying to... So I'm trying to create sort of a startle reaction to draw it out. So you do your tapping, but there is no visible response. Okay, so this is a a sort of ring around. So you're inside this library. The library is... It's a square room, but it has been filled with bookshelves at odd angles, and the bookshelves are now in the corners, so that you... Basically, it's, it feels like a round room to you. Okay. The cube in the middle, the Rubik's Cube sort of thing worked itself. And then there was just sort of like a, almost like a sense of pressure that just appeared around you as if you were contained in some way. But whatever it is, is invisible. You can't see anything around you. Okay. So there's, so there's no visible cage that you're in. There's no visible creatures in front of you. But clearly something's building. Okay. So 
would it theoretically be possible if one of these bookshelves were to be knocked over to sort of domino effect the the bookshelves into one another? Yes. Okay. Then after the tapping does nothing, I am going to stop for a moment and say, Everybody clear. And I'm going to cast Thunderous Smite on the bookshelf. Oh boy. <laughs> as there is a crackle of yellow-green electricity. And I slam it into the bookshelf, which then causes it to fly 10 feet, presumably into another bookshelf and so on. Okay. So I'm going to have you roll a d20 just to see basically like an overall success if this truly dominoes everyone or only gets a few. So it's going to work. It's just a matter of how well it works. Okay. So that is a... All right. 16. Anything over 15? So yeah. So it's going to be the perfect Scooby-Doo scenario where the first one... It's the second one, and then two, two, two. And also because it's sort of a circular room, it's actually going to go around you. It's not just left to right. Now, some of the bookshelves, again, are at odd angles. They're not mm-hmm. really stacked completely linearly, but it doesn't matter. Somehow, if it manages to fall into something else and it continues to fall. So after like 20 seconds, there's just sort of this final silencing thud. Everything in the room has been brought down to at least like waist level or lower Papers are everywhere from the initial thunderous smite. The pedestal that the cube was on gets obliterated and it flies off in a different direction. So the cube lands on the ground and there's still, once everything kind of becomes silent, it remains silent. Well, at least I've cleared the optical range. You surely did. (laughs) Well, good job. (laughs) (laughs) All right, silence. Silent unsheathed uh, rod uh, from under uh, his uh, studded leather jacket and also with a very uh, elegant gesture open his hands and a sort of a cloudy frost, frosty clouds swirling around emerging from his hand and extending until they change into and are replaced by a, a rapier. Uh, in his left hand. With that, he will be just—he will just be on the defensive. Okay. So you would be the first to notice that there is a, a a point of light appears about six feet off the ground, and similar to when the portal was opened on your side from what uh, Chadi did, you see this line go down very quickly and where it moves it leaves a line of light so it's not just a point moving there it's it's almost like a, a line appears and then it opens so, um, you know, again think of it just like a, a a cut in a curtain and then something pushes through and a hand reaches out and this hand is a probably like the top of the forefinger to the bottom of the pinky is about three feet and it's going to reach out and try to grab one of you and it is going to try to grab Micus. So, Micus, what is your armor class? Not great. It's 14, Michael. Well, it's your lucky day because my hand uh, rolled a three. So, with its mod- modifiers, that is only going to be a nine. So, what does it look like when you dance out of the way? Because it's basically this arm appears out of nowhere and it just reaches out. You can only see, like, you know, up to maybe the elbow because the other the rest of the creature is in some other place and it tries to grab you but it misses so how does it miss what does it look like 
Yeah, I think it I think it actually does grab me a little bit, but like every small wriggly fish, I just squeak right on out. Um <laughs> and it is left with a fistful of sea elf slime. But you actually Gross. you can see the hand kind of go Ugh. it's like it's wiping his hand on like the the ground. Ah, yeah. oh, it's so gross. And I'm calling it right now, it's canon that sea elves are coated in slime. I don't care what the book says. <laughs> At me, wizards. So we are back to the top of the order, so now it is your turn, Micah. So you now see this hand reaching through some sort of void to try to grab you. Micah is going to flop away impressively. And then uh, he's going to like put a little hand in one of his many pockets into a small furry bag. And we are going to see what kind of friend is going to join us. <laughs> he's going to I love that. He's going to yell, I can summon things too. <laughs> do it, my kiss. You can. You can do it. Through the power of friendship, I call a giant rat. <laughs> I, th- I throw a giant rat at this giant hand. But wait, since you're a fish person, <laughs> shouldn't that be? <laughs> yeah, is it like an eel? No, I think it's just a very wet rat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair. Fair enough. <laughs> it doesn't like being wet, I yell as I throw it at the hand. Well, you certainly never disappoint. He never does, believe me. Never, ever a disappointment from Mikey's. So if you'd like to roll the attack for that? I would love to roll the attack for that one. Oh, goody! I rolled a one. <laughs> okay. So you threw the rat at the arm. Yep. And and so describe this magical thing. I, I assume that it like grows from nothing to rat form. Yep. It's a very like wet and soggy piece of fur that I pull out of this bag and I just lob it just sog and all. Okay. So what I'm going to say happens because you rolled a one mm-hmm. that you threw it so hard that before it has a chance to fully transform, it actually goes through the rip and is oh it it goes through and you see it transforming as it passes through and is now on the other side of whatever that is yep i think it like pops out of its like fur ball and then just looks at me like very very <laughs> sadly you just um, sad eyes and i don't know what's on the other side of this rift but i would just love for something huge and unimaginable to just like whisk it out of the way as if it were hit by a bus. <laughs> now, right now, again, think of this way. It's like a hand reaching through a slit in a curtain. Yeah. You really can't see on the other side. Like, it's not like a portal that you can see around it. it basically, it's almost like form-fitting to the arm. But clearly, oh, okay. it is permeable. Yeah. You know, just, just laying that out there. All right. Chadi. All right. How close to this thing am I? Well, you guys are in the center of the the library, and it's close enough that it it, it tried to grab Micah, so you can't be more than like ten feet away from it. Is the point in the portal like high, or if I were to approach laterally, could I like step through, potentially like under the hand? It's pretty close to top and bottom, but yes, if you're trying to like duck under and and dive through, that is totally possible. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is I get two attacks, so I'm going to charge over the toppled bookshelves and I'm going to with my flail do an like an underside swing to slap the palm of the hand and as it presumably recoils in pain I'm going to try to step through to appraise the situation behind there okay 
and potentially based on what I discover, activate that second attack. So let's roll, roll the first attack first. That is a 24. Yes, that will definitely hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 13 damage of the bludgeoning variety. But it's magic. <laughs> so <laughs> as you described and wanted, you're able to come up with, like, with an upswing. You hit the creature right around like the, the wrist, you know, just so it stings really bad. And the hand does go up a little bit. And almost like the, a T-shirt that drapes down too low, there's now an opening that you could go through if you want. Now, it's not big enough to walk through. You're going to have to, like, dive through it if you want to go through. Uh, I would, yeah. Okay. All right, so you dive through. You do, like, a little Jackie Chan roll, and you pop up on the other side. You have clearly shifted through planes, which is something that you're you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. You don't recognize the plane that you're in, but it, it appears to be similar to the prom material, uh, maybe just a different place mm-hmm. in, in the world that you're even in. It's very rocky, uh, almost like a Mesa Desert-like, mm-hmm. but it's dark. So it's, you don't know if it's like nighttime or maybe you're just in a huge cavern and the, the ceiling's so far away that you can't see it. But there's just like light. There's enough effusive light for you to see this creature. It is clearly an ogre, but it is a large ogre. It's like an oversized ogre. Mm-hmm. It's got tattoos all the way up and down its chest and back. And you recognize these tattoos as like arcane symbols. Mm-hmm. And it appears to have some sort of ability to be able to shift through planes as well. You don't yet know how or why it's doing that. Okay. Uh, but but as you're watching it, so it's its right hand is what's sticking through this, this rip. It then reaches its hand above itself and another portal opens. So now it has a hand coming upwards. It's also cut off at the elbow. So it looks to you like it doesn't have anything past the elbow on either side. But it's moving, it's reaching its hand into different places. And what else? You still have an action if you'd like to take your other attack? I am going to do that. I don't think that I'll go too hardcore and expend any additional resources. This is just going to be a regular attack. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, That's 25. Oh yeah, that definitely hits. That's another 13 points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. So you were laying the hurting. You're using a flail, right? That's like a metal ball on, the, on a short chain on a stick. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to hurt. Not that any other type of weapon wouldn't hurt. But uh, the creature... Actually, roll perception. This would just be for Chotty. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So 21. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a 17 and then an 18 and then a 19. I'm trying to keep them. I'm gonna try to get you to use them all now. Right. Yeah. So, so the creature does react. Obviously, it, it feels pain, but the reaction, the, like the facial features that you would expect a creature to to make when it's hit, seems a bit dull, and the eyes are cloudy, and you get the sense that maybe the creature isn't completely in its own control. Mm. Okay. All right. Silence. You you see the hand reaching through. You saw Chatty jump through. And you see on the on the ground beneath you a line starting to open, like a, there's another rift getting ready to open under your feet. Okay, I'm gonna cartwheel my way away of that new emerging hand, so uh, I will go as far uh, as I can. And uh, as soon I I do kind of a superhero landing, and I raise my rod towards the hand which just emerged closest to me, and I and I say. Turn my sorrow 
into treasured cold and there's a light blue streak of light emerging from my rod towards the hand which is going to start taking the shape of ice forming around this hand and we're going to see if it's got any kind of effect uh, it was a cantrip ray of frost i need to roll to to hit first i don't know if i i do have any bonus because it's freaking gigantic uh but it's uh 21 anyway uh, yeah definitely uh that will be 1d8 5 cold and then the speed of my target is reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. So I don't know how it works since it's a hand, but uh, yeah, it's slowed down. So you got the eyes forming, you know, all around the fingers and etc. So hopefully it's a bit slowed down by this. All right. It is the creature's turn. So the hand that is reaching out was going to try to reach for you, Salons, but you danced out of the way. The other hand, it's basically it's too far away from you. I think it's probably still close enough to Micus, but I'm going to give him a bit of a negative since he's covered in ice. That's how I'm going to, because the speed doesn't really matter. So I'm going to give him a negative to, to hitting you. I rolled a two. So nice. So apparently being cold, his hands don't, like his fingers don't uncurl. So he just sort of like bumps you a little bit, kind of knocks you down or knocks you over, but doesn't, isn't able to wrap its giant fingers around you. Okay. We are circle back to the top. Micus. This is very rude and quite unsettling, but let's see if I can't wiggle in there. Um, and I'm going to try and get in there with my buddy Chadi. I forgot to mention, too, there is also a giant rat in there as, as well. Yeah. So Chadi should have seen that also. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to try and just, like, jump straight on in uh, and rescue my friend. Are you talking about Chadi or the rat? Not this. Silence, that's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, Yes. <laughs> exactly so would you like an athletics uh whatever you, you what do i know uh, let's, let's do acrobatics good the one that i don't have any points of in. course and that is another one okay so i will let you decide either this means you basically aren't able to get in the correct position and so your entire turn will be wasted or you are able to jump through, but once you get on the other side, you're in a very disadvantaged position. Oh, give me the disadvantaged position. That's way more interesting than just nothing happens. Okay, so you you manage to jump through, but so so what happens? So you basically, you're going to wind up ass over tea kettle, lying on the ground right next to this thing when you get to the other side. So how did that happen? Oh, I would like to think that there's some sort of gravity thing that's happening with this rift. So like as I'm jumping in, gravity works like this like normal for me on this side, but it's completely the opposite on the other side. So as I'm jumping through, I just land on my head instead of my feet. Perfect. So the, the rat is also on the other side. If you'd like to roll an attack for the rat. Friend, do your chomping. You're, you're angry. So that is a total of a 16 to hit. That is going to hit. Nice. My rat deals five points of damage. <laughs> Good job, rat. Hell yeah. All right, Johnny, you're up. So you now have uh, Micus and a rat on your side of the portal. So as Micus pours through and starts to regain his bearing, I will, before striking, point to the tattoos and say, it may not be fully in charge of its own faculties. If we can avoid killing it, that may be best. And then I'm going to smack it with my bludgeoning weapon. <laughs> Excellent. If we could avoid killing it, that would be great. <laughs> Wham! 
Uh, that's a 16 to hit. That is what you need. I wonder if they communicated such fashion with Cartusa. That might be, you know, we're getting hints of what the relationship might be. <laughs> yeah. It's bludgeoning. It's just going to knock it out. So that's six bludgeoning damage. And then another swing for my extra attack. As before, there's a reaction of pain, but it's a bit dulled. Mm -hmm. uh, that's only a 12 this time. 12 will miss. So how, how did you miss? Like, it seems like something that wouldn't happen. So, so what caused you not to get a good strike there? I think that what happened is I, like, swung in with my first strike, and it made a solid connection, and it slid a little bit backwards. And as it was sliding, I was already sort of moving in with my second attack. So I was striking where it was before, not where it is now. Gotcha. And so it sort of just falls a little bit short and limply bounces off sort of the very edge of the ogre. All right. Silence. You are now alone in the room. With two gigantic, with the biggest jazz hands I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, friend. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm going to do uh, some more backflips to uh, have more distance between me and those hands. I mean, you know no one's watching, right? This is just for your benefit. It's, I got acrobatics. I don't have athletics. So I do things <laughs> my way. <laughs> but okay. I, I, I stamp uh, back a bit. Then um, I take my rod close to my chest. I say, taste the fire starting in my heart. And then I point it towards uh, the closest of the two hands. Uh, probably the least uh, frozen one. And there's a burst of fire uh, going towards it, so Eldritch Blast. Perfect. And uh, that's a very loosey uh, 10. All right, that is not going to have an effect. But we'll say that your fire melted the ice, so, that, so it no, didn't No, I hit the other on purpose. Oh, you hit the other one. Okay. So he now has like a cold hand and a hot hand. So he just, he, <laughs> man, he's very uncomfortable. This is, this is like a horrible day for him. Okay. So it is now the ogre's turn. Now, Solange, you were going to see what happens, but you'll see the reaction. So essentially another portal is going to open up just on the other side of its, its hand. So now there's like two inches of wrist that is in the prime material plane that you're in. The other part of his hand is reappearing into the plane that he's in now directly above Micus. So his hand basically comes through another portal above you. But all it does is make a circle, which opens another portal, and something large and heavy comes flying out of it, like a giant slab of stone. So you need to make a dexterity saving throw to try to get out of the way, my friend. This is bad. It was nice knowing all of you as I get a seven. You are going to take 11 points of damage as a large piece of stone slams into you from above, from this portal that just opened up. And then we are back to your turn. So you are partially trapped beneath it. So some part of you, doesn't have to be like your body, could be your clothes, your cape, your something, is still under there. So your, your movement is limited, uh, but you're not actually like being crushed. You just got hit on the way down, because otherwise you'd be dead, because it's big big boulder. I'm going to cast Meld with Stone. <laughs> Uh, this is getting a little too hairy for me. Call me when you're done. And I'm going to slip right in there. All right. You can still roll for your rat. 
Uh, yes. So my rat is going to bite the hand that feeds and get a two. Alrighty. Chotty. Well, if Micus is beginning to get worried, I might as well commit to this. And I'm going to burn a spell slot to smite this bad boy. Okay. Now, is there like a, a verbal component? Do you say anything to activate your smite? Is there a physical representation that, that we can see when you do this? There is a sort of green-yellow twinkling wherever the ambient light catches the flail, almost as though every time it swings, it is like cutting across the surface of like a starry ocean and creating this sort of like star splash. Okay. As I swing it and it slams into the body of the ogre as it speeds up in its arc, moving from that sort of yellow green, heating up into orange and then red and then white and then blue as it finally makes contact smiting it. That was 23 to hit. Uh, yes. 11 plus 6 is 17 bludgeoning damage. Alrighty. So when you make contact with this creature, you kind of hit it, I guess, kind of squarely in the chest. And there's a, there's a sound that resonates. And, like, you know, there's like dust particles will start to fall from the ceiling this far above you. And when you hit it, a couple things happen. All of the portals that it was activating come to a sudden end and they don't just close. They like slam shut and all the various pieces and parts are severed. So both of its arms just basically get cut off. One lands in the room you're in, like the two inches of forearm lands in the world where Salon says, and it just completely shatters and then it falls over amputated and it's just there might be like two seconds when you can see blood spurting out but it it's dead rest now and bathe with the stars micus the situation is clear so uh chadi and micus you are in this other place so it says that i'm not aware of the things that go on outside of the stone which i should have read before i melded straight into it and if I wanted to make a wisdom check to hear what was happening, I would have it as a disadvantage. Uh, rather than just kind of like roll dice and go yes or no, could we just say that it takes a heck of a long time for me to actually hear it? And that Chadi has to shout a couple times. I mean, at some point you probably would try to poke your head out just to see what's happening. So I think in a relatively short amount of time, you're going to poke your head out, find you know, see what's going on and, and step out. I think Micah gives like a very low whistle and just like, what did I miss? A regrettable but necessary act. I'm sure the silence is waiting and perhaps confused. So let me get this straight. I'm in the library with two sever- severed, severed gigantic hands and neither Mikey's nor Shady are with me anymore. Well, you have one hand, but you also then you just have like two inches of forearm. Because the other hand went through a different portal back into his own realm. But yes, you are alone. Like Shaddy and uh, Micah are not there. <laughs> but, uh, I, look, <laughs> I, look, I look a bit like I'm, there's a scene of me just alone there. Just looking around a bit <laughs> like, oh, now. 
There's like a whistle, like, I mean, come on. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I pull out the prayer bead and give a questioning look to my kiss. Thumbs up and just say, well, you've never steered us wrong before, friend. What about your ret friend? Does it just disappear after a while or do you pick it back up? I think it just kind of like deflates until it's just like a horrible mess of like shower hair. (laughs) And so I go through that same ritual that I had gone through before as I thumb the beads and chant this mantra. But this time it ends with the word silence and the portal opens and we step. Oh, go ahead. Actually, it doesn't. Ooh. From what you can see, the portal seems to work. You you see the lights and the tent flap of reality opens, but rather than being able to see into where Salance is, you're further away than you expected to be, and there's an opaque, almost like a shield, that is keeping you from being able to actually go to it's where It's because it's pronounced silence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some... like, did he say diagonally? <laughs> well, Micus, it looks like we have some doing here. But we're closer to silence than we were before, at least. That's true. Hey, um, how are you feeling? You didn't get hurt with that ogre before we jumped in there? No, that creature, upon reflection, seemed to have very little interest in me. Despite the ferocity with which I laid into it. If Carthusa is pulling punches, I must admit that I'm very disappointed. I mean, that might be a good sign, right? Like, she's willing to make peace. It sounds ridiculous when I say it. I, unfortunately, am not. And I look to the name seared into the handle of my flail. Which is Carthusa. So there's still that cube in the room you were saying, right? It got knocked over when uh, Chadi did the thunderous smite and blew everything to hell. But it's on the ground not far from you. So well, it might be precious or something. So I'm going to go uh, have a look at it. Um, I'm not going to touch it immediately. going to try to assess it from a distance. And it may be free, really, I need... Two, I'm going to use Majan to bring it a bit closer and look at it under, you know, different angles and try to, I'm, I'm not very good at that, but uh, use my arcane knowledge to work out what it might be. All right, good. Give me an arcane roll. That will be a magnificent five. So when you're looking at the cube... You don't recognize that it isn't anything that you're familiar with, at least not in this particular configuration. But, you know, you do have some knowledge of Arcana, and clearly this thing did something. And that's probably why you feel that pressure around you. And it's not humming, but there's like a a feeling of power. Energy is emanating off of it. There's all these different symbols that as you manipulate the cube line up in different ways. So other than manipulating the cube and trying to change the configuration. You don't really know. I mean, you can always try to smash it. That's always an option too. But you you don't know how to work it. 
I guess it works with kind of a, you know, I, I guess it's sort of a, it's, it might be magical, but it seems to be something that someone uh, with no magical power could use through a sort of a sorting out of a combination. So maybe could I use it? Uh, I got, yeah, my first career was a, as a, a, a thief. So can I work it out like it would be a complex locked mechanism and, um, you know, try to untangle it, you kick on it, turning, flipping it, turning it, looking if there's a, a compartment or a mechanism, a configuration which switch it off uh, quite quite simply using if I could use my T3 stuff. Okay. Um, let's, let's roll that as Arcana, uh, but I will give you advantage on that since you're kind of using your thief background and your Arcana in concert. Uh, that will be... A 15. Okay. Uh, so you do figure out that like certain ways it will move, certain ways it won't. But once you've moved it, like, it's like you can spin it to the right, but not to the left. But after you've spun it to the right, it will then go back left further than it would have gone before. So in, you're just basically doing random combinations and lining up these symbols that you don't quite recognize. But at some point, at some moment, you hit a, a combination, that feeling, that sort of emanation of energy stops. And at that moment, basically a, a tear in space will open up and uh, Micus and uh, Chadi, your portal is now able to complete itself. So whatever was stopping it before has now gone away and it's now open on both sides. Ah, silence. Oh, I was, I was afraid uh, the worst would have happened to you guys. I mean, uh, I should not have doubted you. Uh, you're obviously, uh, yeah, you can't stand on your own, you're you're of the toughest stuff, right? It is no sin to worry for your companions. I was worried for you too. Oh, you—that's so kind. I'm so touched. Uh, I mean, this—this this is a very wonderful trio uh, we are—we are forming here. Uh, That's—that's—that's that's destiny, really, which brought us together with uh, two such fine uh, gentlemen. Well, gentle, gentle person, uh, if I may. Uh, fish. Please forget that. Ah, uh, you rock, both of you. It's the thought that counts. <laughs> so, uh, so you're back in this room. You still don't know why uh, she was here. Is she just playing some kind of uh, game with you? Uh, you know, uh, setting up traps. Uh, uh, with bystanders being caught in the, in the, you know, being the victims, but actually it's about you and finding each other. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, what, what do you feel about all of that, my dear uh, Shadi? Huh? I would say that that is not to her character, though she may be playful. In this, it is not without intent. If I were her end goal, she would not run in such circles. This is simply a circumstantial benefit. Okay, uh, well, what could she be after in such a place? Uh, in, um, there's no... Or the door, or things. Uh, the, this room didn't seem to lead somewhere else. Uh, no, there does not appear, appear to be another exit from this room. 
and that seems uh, the most um, uh, common library. I mean, as you said, it seems to be administrative stuff, nothing. Uh... Uh, Shadi, would you know she have uh, any kind of connection with this place? Well, what is this place called again? Uh, as far as I know, she has no direct connection to Shorewatch. In searching for her, I found that she was here based on the tattoos that were on the ogre that we faced. I believe that she has further consorted with beings which care not for the free will of others. I presume, then, that it is at their behest that she has arrived here, or it is in seeking something that will deepen her ability to influence others that she is here. Perhaps this castle here at Shorewatch is not as idyllic as it had appeared from the outside. Well, corpses aside. Well, yeah, beside the corpses, I guess. But it appears as though we fell right for her trap. I can see nothing else in here, but I'm open to suggestions. I have sought your help, and so would hear your counsel. Yeah, I'm I'm going to investigate the room uh, a bit more, trying uh, to, to work out what I'm missing about uh, this place. Salance is going to be scoping out the room. Now, the room is destroyed pretty much, you know, like all the bookshelves were knocked over, so everything is completely out of place from where it would have been originally. But there are still a few things that you might be able to determine. But before we get to that, Chadi, is there anything specific you're doing? I am following... Silence's lead. I had sought their counsel, and if Silence believes there's more in this room worth investigating, then I will follow suit. Uh, so one of you roll perception with advantage for the other one helping, uh, whichever one of you wants to roll it. Please uh, oblige me, uh, my dear Shadi. I'm sure uh, <laughs> I'm sure you have a keen, a sharp eye uh, of your warrior... Uh class uh, go ahead uh, do you see anything that i'm missing uh... all right so that is a 17 on perception so it takes some time again because now you're having to pick your way through uh the destruction but along some of the walls that were not disturbed are maps uh and you do recognize at least from some level that they're maps of the area that you're in you can see a, a, a like a star that indicates the castle that you're in, and there's the a body of water to the right, and it leads up a little bit to a larger body called the near dive. And in particular, there's there's like a smudge on the map that it looks like someone has pressed a finger uh, along the the shore of the near dive, and there's like a small village, and there's just a, the tiniest indentation, like a spot of red that you think might be blood. As if someone was tapping the map there with uh, blood on their fingers. Ha ha! Yes, you see this? Yes, uh, well, uh, that's a good find. Uh, you are quite a sleuth. 
Yeah, what's this place? Uh, do you think she was integrating someone? And he, one of his last gesture was pointing the the location of where she would find what she's after, and that would be that tiny little village, uh, which uh, maybe there's still time for us to save it, but um, but we should make haste. I would agree with that. Perhaps it was a torture victim. Perhaps it was her own bloody hand. Either way. We should not dawdle. Perhaps I can key into this location. Micus. Yes, and I say I turn around. And he, he sees the map and kind of walks over to it. Um, and because Micus is a hermit, I have the the feature Wanderer, which means that I always remember general maps and layouts. So I would like to give this just like a good once-over, kind of commit it to memory and just say, yeah... I can be familiar with this area. Uh, so the the village itself is so small, it doesn't have a name designated on the map, but it's only a few miles north of Shorewatch up the shore of the Near Dive. So, I mean, you certainly could travel there normally in a couple hours, though if um, Chatty's able to key into it, you can travel there basically near instantly. Is there any sort of role you would like for me to make to see if I can... Yeah, let's... I still like a, I think a wisdom. Cool, cool, cool. Would be good for that. Do you have any particular skill that you think would be that? Because you're trying to basically gauge somewhat metaphysical distances. Uh, you know, you're you're aiming an arrow in the ether. I don't think so. So, let's see what wisdom says. Sixteen. You feel like you have a pretty good grasp on it, and that you can at least get much closer by jumping than the than normal overland travel. I think that I can get us close, if not there, directly. It will be easier on us than traveling by foot. Yeah, yeah, sure, I guess. It's just, uh, you know, with what just happened, uh, I'm starting to get concerned with your habit of uh, throwing your soul through every uh, portal door uh, you find. It is the way I am accustomed to. Carthusa and I have a history of this sort of travel. If it makes you uncomfortable, though, I'm more than willing to walk the distance. No, no, sorry. I was just uh, yeah, a bit uh, thinking out loud, a bit worried about what happened uh, last time. But uh, yeah, it seems like the, the, the scars of your love with uh, Cartusa are still uh, reminding you strongly of her. Uh, I guess it's a way for you to find her. So yeah, no, let's proceed. As long as I have my oath, I shall not stray. And I begin to pray to open the portal. Okay, so you manipulate the uh, the beads as you have been trained to do, and once again that, that dot of light appears, moves back and forth, left to right, and then straight up the middle, and once again the fabric of space opens, and you are now looking onto uh, the same world, the same material plane, but but several miles to the north. And before you can see it, you can hear cries as people are engaged in some sort of battle. As you quickly step through, you see something that you've probably seen too many times in your life. This is a Githyanki raiding party. And there are several Gith that are rounding up the villagers and forcing them through portals back into the astral plane where they have ships waiting. So, 
what would you like to do? I go completely serious as we step through the portal. This is a Githyanki raiding party. Kathusa must be close. She had sworn this off. It was a condition of our partnership. She has fallen far. Are you suggesting that we leave those commoners to their fate and uh, become uh, the slaves of those horrible people? Uh, we should intervene and save them. I believe that we should intercede. All right, then let's roll initiative. Crit. Nice. I got a two. <laughs> Micus is stunned by the atrocities that he is seeing. And on such wet, holy land. <laughs> it's true. How dare they besperch my, my blessed moistness. <laughs> so as you fully step out and again you see there's probably eight to a dozen githyanki soldiers that uh are running about the village it looks like the the raiding has has not been going on very long there are there are several buildings that are on fire uh there's a few others that um are, are further away from where you are at that don't look to have been touched yet but there are people going towards them there are two groups of soldiers. There's like two on each side of two larger portals that have been opened up. And you can see that they're, they're trying to move these villagers to the portals and push them through. On the other side, you can see it's basically like a ship, though it's not floating in water that you can see. And anybody who gets pushed through will land on the deck of the ship. Again, it's something that Chadi has seen many, many times, unfortunately, before. So we're going to say there's roughly eight of the soldiers that might interact with you. But the first thing that happens is you hear one of them say to the other, he's here, run, let the mistress know. And the other one takes off at a dead run towards one of the larger huts in the village. And with that, Salance, you are first to go. Okay, I'm going to try to to jump on something which is of a height so I can overlook the, the thing. And uh, I'm going to start a, a rosing speech. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna turn quickly to the others. What's the name of that place? Okay, doesn't doesn't matter. People, don't let yourself be taken away by those monsters. Stand tall, stand tall as the sky opens, and we'll make it crumble. And you can stand tall. And I want to throw a spell. Okay. So I'd like to do two things. I'd like to sort of persuade the people to stop being just taken away and, you know, get a, a lift their spirit and make them turn against their, their assailant. And then I want to throw a spell if I can do those two things at once. I kind of feel like it's one or the other, especially if you're going to take time to like climb up a tree or climb on top of a building. Yeah. I'm going to go with the, the rosing speech, uh, in, insisting on, on the, the skies crumbling and that they, they need to, to stand regardless against their enemies. Okay. Persuasion? Yep. That will be a 19. Nice. There's a lot of chaos around you, and not everyone in the village can hear, but there are several, and you don't exactly know if it's because of what you said as much as the fact that there's three of you that have now shown up and appear to be on their side. They seem to be overcome with a little bit of confidence, and they start to resist. Now, they don't have any weapons. They're not going to be able to fight. But the fact that they're resisting will slow down the uh, movement through the portals. I have a, a counter I'm working on on my side. So they're, so they're going to get basically, it's going to be a little bit longer before they're going to be able to get people through the portal and to the other side. And with that, Chadi. 
So the first thing Chadi is going to do is that they are going to look at the person who is fleeing to go send word. Send word, then. The Oathbreaker deserves to know what is coming for her. Before I wade into the fray and start <laughs> cracking heads. <laughs> okay. So essentially, there's there's three groups that you can target. You have the ones who are trying to grab villagers. You have swordsmen, and then you have people with crossbows. So you kind of have to pick which area that you want to try to engage with first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to head immediately for the people who are trying to round up the villagers. Gotcha. Okay. So that is 22. Yep, that will definitely hit. Max damage of 14. Okay. What does it look like when you kill this gift soldier? I think that what happens is they are grabbing someone and they are in the process of moving them toward a portal and I am moving toward them and as the person they are dragging sort of stumbles I step forward and flail just meets head and all their momentum is completely dropped as I move for the next one with my extra attack okay that's 17 to hit yes that will hit Yay, for eight bludgeoning damage. All right, that one does not get taken out, but it definitely slows them down and knocks them off their feet. The people that they were trying to round up, it, it's a, a man and a woman, probably like a married couple in their 20-ish, and they were all the ones that had heard Salance's uh, rousing speech. So with given the opportunity, they wipe off the blood that was splattered on their face, and they're going to pick up the dagger that was on the body of the one that you failed and will start wrestling with the other. So they are going to try to start fighting back against them as well. Woohoo. All right. It is now their turn. So there's a lot going on. So it's not like every one of them in the village is going to turn and suddenly try to kill you, but several have noticed that you are there. So two are going to run up and try to engage Chadi. They have great swords. Both of them are going to attack and there we go. Uh, I have a 16 and a 12. My AC is 18. Okay. What kind of armor do you wear? Uh, it is chain. So both of their hits are going to essentially hit you, but they don't get enough oomph behind them to actually penetrate. So you just sort of take like a slap into the, the flank, but it doesn't penetrate. It hurts, but it doesn't do any actual damage. Uh, one is going to run up and try to stab uh, Micus with a 19 versus armor class. That hits real good. Please get on with the stabbing. Going to be six points of damage as it stabs into you with this great sword. And then two of the crossbowmen are going to fire at uh, Salant since he made a target of himself, got a pie, and started raising his arms and shouting at everybody. No, no. They, uh, they, they don't know how to use a bow. <laughs> Apparently, the, like, the thing like with the arrow just like falls out and then dry fires. Yeah, they didn't quite shoot themselves, but it, it was it was a very embarrassing effort. Okay, Micus, you are up. So Micus is going to sprint towards the... Well, you have one that just stabbed you, so you got somebody right in your face. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to juke them and sprint towards the, the open portals uh, in which people are being dragged towards. And unless anything impedes my, my path, I'm going to be casting a spell once I get there. All right, well, the the one that you leave is going to take an opportunity attack since you are just running from their threat. Yep. That's going to be a nine. Suffice to say, that does not hit. So sprinting, and as I'm sprinting, I'm just like, I'm I'm chanting 
uh, under my breath. I'm like taking seeds out of my pockets and just like tossing them on the ground. And I am casting Speak with Plants. And one of the effects of Speak with Plants is that I can turn ordinary terrain into difficult yeah. terrain. Uh, and I'm going to do that immediately to uh, a 30-foot radius around those portals to try and prevent people from getting in there. Okay. Combined with the already slowing down effort from before, uh, that is going to have a positive effect in trying to keep people from getting pushed to the portals as well. So I think like all the scrub grass just gets like really up there and like creates Velcro hooks that just grab anyone that's trying to walk through. All right, silence. Okay, is there, uh, I'm looking for a group of uh, enemy soldiers, as many of them as possible, but sort of tight with not too many bystanders next to them. Is there such thing somewhere? So, well, there's uh, there's the two crossbowmen that tried to shoot at you. They're right next to each other. There's no civilians around them. But you, you don't think you can get more than two in a grouping without risking someone else. Okay. Well, I'm going to jump and roll uh, in their direction, land between them and say, hear me screaming out my name. And you see my lips moving, but nobody can hear anything uh, I'm saying. And it's like a, this 10 feet rageous bubble bursting from me and uh, encompassing uh, well, th those two uh, soldiers. So I'm going to try Shatter, do a constitution saving throw. Okay. What is the target? I don't think, I got a 10 and an 8, so I don't think it's going to matter. Okay, so it's, the target was a 16, and they take 3d8, so oof, 14. Okay. So what does it look like when you to shatter their bones inside their bodies <laughs> and they die. Well, you see pretty much the 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 bubble of sound which is so intense that it distorts the air uh when it enters in contact with their armor, the, the, their armors and weapons just shatters around them and in their hand and uh yeah, they, they sort of collapse <laughs> into a, a yeah like some kind of uh, puppet with any kind of articulation just yeah are projected away from me uh, in a in a big jump so i have 3 immediately within range right there's the one who's wrestling with the villagers and then there are the two swordsmen uh yes all right i'm going to start with the person who's assaulting the villagers and then i'll move on to the others yeah 22 seems pretty good uh, 13 bludgeoning damage coming in. Okay, that takes that one out completely. Uh, what I do is I wind up striking them, which allows the villagers the opportunity to push their way out, and then I wind up clearing out the, the body. And then here is against the Sorbsman. That's a natural one. Oh, finally. I knew it was going to turn somewhere, so... Hmm. I don't necessarily use crit fumbles or anything, but but did anything? Do you think anything in particularly happened here with that one? I mean, was it just a miss, which is fine? Did you drop your weapon? Did you maybe have like a a flashback to the last time that you were with uh, Carthusa, and it caused you to hesitate? Like like what would happen to keep you from being so successful? Because you are obviously a trained warrior. So I think what happens is I am moving from my previous target, and I'm changing my facing toward my next target, and I sort of wheel back my arm with the shield on it, and in their death throes, the 
Githyanki that I just incapacitated actually winds up grabbing onto my shield during their death rattle, yanking it off, and knocking off my balance. So I now have a minus two reduction to my AC, and I missed. Excellent. And with that, the two soldiers that you failed to kill are going to take this ample opportunity to stab at you with their swords. And that is a 13 and 18. Hey, that 18 is higher than 16, which is now my AC. So the, the first one misses, but the second one stabs home, penetrates through the chain. There's a small opening that rips open. That actually kind of looks like those planar openings before, but the blade is now sliding into your, to your stomach and you take six points of damage. All right. So two more of the crossbowmen are going to turn and try to shoot Salons. With a 15 being the only high number in that? Uh, okay, 15. Uh, Silence reacts swiftly and raises a hand to grab uh, the uh, bolt of uh, crossbow. Uh, we'll see if it is working. I only roll how much damage I'm removing from uh, their hit. It is going to do six points of damage. Okay, well, it's manageable. Let's see. Five points of damage. So it's like I push it aside, but it's still rips my cheek uh, with a drip of blood uh, flowing. So one of the other soldiers is going to let out a, a cry. It's not of like pain. It seems to be some sort of signal. And the ones that were trying to ground up the villagers are going to just let go. And they're going to make a mad scramble to the portals. They're, they are trying to get away. Micus. Difficult terrain is what they're going to have to go through. That is correct. Yep. Um... And uh, I am going to use, because Speak With Plants lasts for 10 minutes, and I can literally speak with the plants. Um, so I am going to ask the plants. There was a woman with these. Her name was Carthusa. Where is she now? You found a particularly gregarious bush <laughs> that uh, is happy to engage with you. Uh, doesn't get a lot of attention. You know, it's... It, kind of just like the goats pick at its leaves and it doesn't really like that it's it's happy to tell you by the way could you please get the goats to stop eating my my leaves but the bush will also tell you that yes there was a female that looks very similar to the person that you are with the one over there with the giant flail that she was riding upon some great beast some gigantic monstrosity and they went that away and it, it points with like a sort of a, a bushy branch towards the largest hut in the village. Chadi, I yell. Yes? And I point to the bush, which is pointing towards the hut. I know where Carthusa is. My glare just hardens. Did you just speak to that bush? You can't speak to bushes? Of course I no, I know that that's a uh, spell. <laughs> your jokes always get me cracking up. You're the best, my kids. <laughs> so what did they say, that bush? Yeah, uh, they told me that the that our quarry headed that away. Um, and I do, I do a good chotty impression, and I say, we must embark and intercede. And I give, like, a warm smile to chotty. And I do my best to try to smile back. So it, it appears that the villagers have managed to, to get somewhat of the upper hand on some of these uh, gift soldiers. Others have started to run away. Some of the villagers aren't fighting, but they are like getting defensive. 
So it seems like there would be an opportunity to sort of disregard the rest of the soldiers and move toward that hut, or you could take a few extra time to try to take out as many as you can. Since it was the action, I considered that as I was talking to my kids, I was still sh throwing a drish blast <laughs> as I was speaking. Okay. <laughs> so what, what are you speaking in that bush? <laughs> All right, so you're still taking out a couple as this is going on. And I still get my action for that turn because talking is a free action, I think. And I'm going to pull out a very soggy looking wad of shower hair Ugh. and say, hopefully this will uh, help those in the portal the same way that it helped us in our <laughs> portal. And I'm going to toss a, oh boy, a giant elk <laughs> into <laughs> this astral portal um, to hopefully wreak havoc. And I yell into it, make sure that the commoners get out safe. Um, and then I'll give Chadi a, a friendly clap on the shoulder and say, let's finish your quest, friend. Alrighty. So Chadi, you're up. Yeah, I am breaking straight for that hut. I'm not stopping to pick up my shield. I'm just going straight forward. Gaze fixed. Grip on the flail tight. And I'm marching toward that hut. At a march, it will take you all of this turn and then into next turn to get there. So is there anything else you want to do while you're walking, or are you just continuing to glower and steal yourself as you approach? With each step, I'm drawing more breath into my diaphragm, and then about halfway through, I shout toward the hut, Carthusa, it's time you stepped out here and faced the consequences for what you've done. Face me now like you swore you would. Whoever should strike true will be proven correct and just. Step out now and settle your fate. Okay. Uh, Micus, you hear Chadi say this as they are approaching the uh, hut. There's no obvious response as of yet. I think I'm going to go chasing after Chadi, but I'm I'm taking a moment to stop and pick up their shield. And I like the... Because druids don't really like touching metal a lot. So I like the image of as Micus is walking towards the shield, sticking out his hand, uh, and just a bunch of the scrub brush kind of like lifts up uh, to like wrap around his hand to make kind of a glove that he uses to, to grab the metal of the shield. Okay. And... However long that takes me, it takes me. But then I am going to, in, I'm going to help my friend. Silence follows uh, very nonchalantly with his hand in his pocket, <laughs> kicking one's <laughs> little stone at the moment. <laughs> but like, I, that... I, every now and there's just like one more eldritch blast <laughs> yeah, yeah, just off yeah. the shoulder. <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah. well, look, man, I just met these people today. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So we will go all the way back around to Chatty. You are now standing directly in front of this hut. It's like a small, it's, it's largest in the village, but it's still fairly small, uh, wooden, like a thatched roof. The doorway is more like a, a weave of plants with like, you know, like animal skin draped over it. So it's not like an actual door, but it's closed. What would you like to do? I lead with my foot. I clear out the, like the covering with my foot and I step directly in. Okay prepared to find her in there. Roll a dexterity saving throw. 
That's seven. Okay. As you clear open the flap, a large beast with thick gray musculature launches itself out through this doorway, ripping down part of the wall itself. It's way too large to have actually got in there by itself. Clearly, this is the beast that you saw the remnants of before. And it has knocked you down, and it's going to enter initiative right after you. So that's going to be its turn, as it basically has bowled you over. So then we will move on to Micus. So you see this large beast burst out, just basically inconsequentially hits Chatty and knocks them over, and is now standing right outside the hut, somewhat over top of Chatty. So I'm going to take Chatty's shield and like toss it almost as if I were skimming a stone across the water and just skim it uh, over to their reach. Do I have to roll anything for that? If that's all you want to do, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that my friend is, is perfectly equipped to defend themselves. All right, back to Salance. So you see this large creature burst out and is now standing over Chadi. I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at it and say, "Oh, that's a good doggy, a very good doggy," and I'm gonna throw a suggestion at it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so it's thirty feet. Uh, it needs to make a wisdom saving throw. So the difficulty is sixteen, if I remember correctly. I no, don't worry about it. I rolled I rolled bad. Okay, so my suggestion to that creature is that it's going to no, behave like a puppy which really loves me and it's going to come to me and eat, uh, you know, lick me and uh, come for, for cuddles and this sort of things and get on its back and I'm going to scratch his, uh, his, uh, his back, etc. So you cast a spell, so you seem to be confusing the beast. It, it, it almost feels like there's some other power that maybe is like fighting against you so it's not just the beast itself that you're trying to calm with your suggestion as if there's another force maybe like whispering in its ear trying to keep it aggressive so it just seems very confused and it's it's almost lets out like a whine and it looks to you and it, its mouth opens open open a little bit like his tongue line laws out it's very almost like a dog panting but then it'll turn its head another way and it starts to kind of like growl so it's it seems to be caught between two things so as long as you can concentrate on your spell, you're going to have a chance to keep it docile. But this is a very tenuous circumstance. Okay, yeah, I'm going to concentrate on that. And I, I yell at the others, don't, don't hurt it. Don't hurt it. Stay away, but don't hurt it. All right. Chadi, you're up. You were basically laying on the ground underneath this beast that's over top of you. Okay. So would I be able to then like roll out and then step into the the actual hut or is the hut completely cleared the front of the hut has been blown out as this creature jumped through it so there's no doorway now if you if you basically set up you're going to be looking into what used to be the hut then yeah if this has allowed me to get clear of the thing then i will stand appraise the hut and if i see any sign of carthusa in there i'm going in so as you raise up, you see Carthusa. She is in the room. She has an old woman who looks to be like, you know, 70 years old, lined face, 
long silver hair that's pulled back into like a bun. She's wearing common garb, a lot of sea like accessories, you know, shell necklaces, clearly uh, one of the women of this village. And Carthusa has a, a hand around her throat and a knife up to her face. And she's whispering into her ear as you stand. So I am slowly making my way toward her. Traitor. Traitor. Oathbreaker. As little crackling waves of starlight begin to coalesce around me. Okay, Micus, you see this gray beast that seems to be oddly contained for the moment. You see Chadi stalking into the what's left of the hut. Uh, you can probably see over their shoulder a little bit, and you can see a, a female that looks similar, has a lot of very similar features to Chadi. She's wearing plate armor, but the plates are in these horizontal bands, and it almost looks like uh, chitinous, like armor is what it has. It kind of gives a feel of that. And on all the different plates in different places, there are these little red ovals that appear to be sort of like built into the armor. So they're not just like attached on top of, but somehow in the formation of the, of the plates themselves, they're part of it. And there's a bit of like a, a swirly mist inside each of, each of these ovals. And every now and then, as the swirl moves around, it's, you get the semblance of like an eyeball that sort of looks out, but then it circles back around. So it's never completely clear, but they're like all over the arbor. So there's probably like 20 of these things that you can see at any given time. And there's probably more of them than that. What would you like to do? I would like to pull a a fist-sized pearl from my backpack and whisper into it a word that sounds like the collapse of a hydrothermal vent as I speak the command word to activate my gem of brightness. I am going to uh, expend a charge from the gem and it fires a brilliant beam of pearlescent light at... Carthusa, and she must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw. Okay. She will pass. Good. I just I put a spotlight on her, Chotty. <laughs> that takes us back to Ceylon's. So, from where I am, I cannot see Carthusa, right? I mean, if you continue to, like, move forward, you probably will be able to see her. She's not hidden, she's just inside the hut. So you were further away, so like the beast is between you and her. Yep. So if you kind of just like move to the side a little bit, you'd probably be able to get a, a, a look at her. So what I would do this round is concentrate very hard on maintaining uh, my uh, suggestion on the creature and at the same time get closer to sort of peek inside the hut and see Cartusa. That's easy enough to do. You see what I described to the others. So is there something else you're wanting to do? Yeah, I throw this guy's self, which is an at-will uh, I've got, and turn myself into Cartusa. And uh, I, I try to take advantage of that to, to maintain even better my control on, on the creature, or at least disturb it even more that uh, it's Cartusa looking at him and giving him instruction while he's hearing stuff in his headset. Okay, so now there's two creatures that look very, very much like Carthusa. Chadi. So Carthusa has continued to whisper in the old woman's ear. As you get even closer, she's going to stop and tighten the dagger up against her face and just look at you. You could never stand the harming of an innocent. And she'll take the blade and just slowly drag it across across her chin, opening just a thin red line of blood. I steal my gaze. There is no law higher than the oath. There is no sin more grave 
than the breaking of the oath and the negligence of its enforcement. What will pass will pass for those caught in the crossfire. If you mean to end this, you must strike me down. So she's going to step slightly to the left, which would be your right, so that the beam of light is no longer directly in her eyes, and essentially she's either out of its path or it's now shining on the back of, of Chadi. And she is going to take the dagger and just stab it into this old woman's chest. Roll the nat 20. So she stabs the old woman in the chest, lets go of the dagger, and then we'll just push the lady towards your feet. And then she's going to start, she's going to take a step backwards, and you can see a line opening behind her. She's about to go through a, a planar jump. But we're not going to let her go just yet. Micus. So... Micus looks down at his gem and goes, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> but this won't be. And he does it again. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm sorry. What did she have to roll against? It's a 15 constitution save. 14, baby. She's blinded for a full minute. Wow. A full minute? <laughs> a minute. A minute. Okay. So is there anything else you're going to do? Is that your action? I mean, talking is a free action, so I'll cheer. But then I'll run over to Chadi <laughs> with my movement. Okay. As you run past the beast, it, it sort of like growls at you. And it continues to seem to be confused between the fact that there's now two uh, Carthusa. And they both seem to be psychically trying to get the animal to do something or to not do something. But doesn't attack you. I'd like to uh, to specify something uh, through my uh, I don't remember through what, but I've got the actor fe feature, so I've got advantage on charisma uh, checks when I'm trying to pass myself for a different person. I can mimic the speech and everything from her, so I'm really talking like it's like she's there's a second her speaking and everything. Uh. All right, uh, so it's actually back to you, Celance. I'm I'm gonna step inside very dramatically into the hut look at her and so she can't see you oh she can't see me <laughs> all, all your dramatic stepping is again wasted <laughs> well that was anticlimactic <laughs> but yeah but this won't be <laughs> And I, uh, I just, I'm gonna make your head burn, and I throw a head rich blast in her face. All right. That's a, that's a fourteen. I'm gonna say that it hits anyways, because uh, without her dexterity modifier, that would hit, and she's really not able to dodge effectively since she's blinded. So it's gonna hit anyways. Okay. Uh, so uh, it will be twelve uh, force damage. Yeah. That is actually going to knock her backwards. She was stepping back anyways. So she's going to get flung backwards through this portal. Chadi, the portal's getting ready to close. She's on the other side. What do you do? I'm just leaping right through without thought or hesitation. Okay. Excellent. So you jump through to the other side, and then that portal will close. So we're going to come back to you in a minute. Uh, so that's going to come back around to Micah. So you saw Chadi disappear through the portal with Carthusa. The old woman is on the ground, dagger in chest. She's bleeding out, but not dead yet. The hulking gray beast is oh. behind you and 
seems to be getting more and more agitated. So Micus is going to look at where the portal used to be, turn to Silence, and say, eh, they do this kind of <laughs> often. They'll be back. Throwing their soul in every open door all the time. And then immediately rush to the old woman and cast Cure Wounds. Alrighty. Uh, so she heals. Oh, good. I rolled a one. Uh, so she heals seven. Okay. So that's not going to close the wound completely, but that will keep her from bleeding out. She will be able to make a, a recovery. Uh, so she takes almost like that sort of gasping breath, almost like she was been brought back from the edge or even maybe from the other side. And she looks up at you and she kind of smiles. And then she seems almost confused like, oh, I'm sorry. Who are you? It's not important. <laughs> So, Silence, the beast seems to be trying to throw off your suggestion. It, it, it basically digs in its claws and it's going to leap forward like 20 feet. It's like this huge bounding leap. And then it stops and looks back at you. And then it will turn and, and it's, it wants to run, but it's confused by your presence. What do you want to do? I'm going to start yelling at uh, the creature. Uh, again mimicking and using the voice of uh, Cartusa and say get out of my sight you filthy creature you've used less you've missed everything no go away well, it doesn't understand me but you know I'm waving and everything so I'm trying to intimidate it uh, away from me alright so um, so yeah so let's roll your intimidation we'll see if you can get the beast to, to run off come on come on it's 14 all right, I'm going to make it resist with wisdom. And yeah, it's not good. So it's going to lower its head and kind of whimper and then just start bounding off in these big, giant 20-foot leaps. Yeah, I don't I don't get the bonus action thing. So yeah, I just got misdecep. Is it coming to my contact or something No, it's, like that, it's or? running away from you. It's, it's... Oh, sorry, I misunderstood. Okay, oh, okay, so it worked. Yay, me. <laughs> Yay, you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. I like brush my hands like, well, good job again. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's running away and it's grabbing a peasant. Yeah, this is a <laughs> terrifying <laughs> monstrosity that you've now sent loose into the wilderness. But that'll be for someone else to worry about because this is a one shot. <laughs> Some level two or three. Yeah, someone else will take care of that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to cut into uh, the scene where uh, Carthusa is on the ground still blinded for like another 55 seconds and you are standing just in front of her and she's trying to wipe at her eyes, but it's obviously not working. And then she's just sort of scrambling back. I don't, what, what is happening? You know, well, what is happening? It's time. Kuthusa. Keep your eyes closed. Rest. Soon, you will bathe in stars. It's time that you finally realized your folly. Your oath was ridiculous when you made it. Your holding to it is even only more sad and pathetic. We have a chance to change things. Our peoples have been at war for millennia, and I now have the power to change that if you are right 
and if you are just, then draw your weapon and strike me down. You broke your oath. You know the consequences. There is no way out of this in which one of us is not dead. Are you such a coward that you will fight me before I am able to even see you? She continues to wipe at her eyes. I am no coward. I would prefer, simply, that you not have to watch the face of the one you love as they strike you down. I never loved you. I'm just going to say in the meantime, I might be throwing Eldritch Blast, but she's the one delivering the burns. The starlight is going to reach a crescendo at the edge of my flail, and I'm going to strike. <laughs> so roll your attack. She's blinded and on the ground, so I'm pretty sure you get advantage to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's a 14 plus 7 is 21. That will definitely hit. Cool. I'm going to activate a second level smite, and the oath flail allows me to roll three additional d6 damage when I hit her. 35 bludgeoning damage. Yowza. Your flail crushes into her, her chest cavity. It, it, it bends her bands in a little bit. Ugh, sound, and red starts to swell out around the bands. Clearly, you've, you've hurt her. But she doesn't, try, she tries not to let it show and she's going to wobbly stand so that she can try to face you. Her, the, the little ovals on her armor, they all start to swirl and those eyeballs that were somewhat reminiscent that they were there all sort of become almost like prominent. Mm-hmm. And there's something very disquieting about seeing all these eyes looking at you and it, it causes her form to start to blur and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to look at her to the point that it, it's essentially the blur effect because these eyeballs are disquieting to stare at when mm-hmm. you're staring at her. And then she's going to draw her sword and raise it up defensively, but she's not going to attack yet. So the, the blur was her, her action. So first attack, which evens out. Thanks, blindness. <laughs> That's a 20 to hit. Not natural, modified. Okay. Yep, that'll hit. I'm going to use my second second level spell slot to roll 4d8 and 3d6. Another 35 bludgeoning damage. Okay. That really hurt her, but she's not dead. All right. I got to do what I got to do. I swore an oath. And I'm lawful neutral. The oath is what matters here. <laughs> uh <laughs> is I'm so bad at math, 23. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'm going to burn my second to last first level spell slot for another smite. 31 bludgeoning damage. Okay. So you've been weighing lace to her. She's obviously been beaten to hell and back. She's not quite out yet. She's going to take the her sword and spin it around and essentially like bang it against the her forearm, whatever this part of the armor is called, and it's going to create like a, just a loud crashing sound. And Chadi, you need to make a strength saving throw versus a 17. So that's a nine total. Okay, so you're going to get flung backwards 30 feet, 
So you're going to take seven points of damage as you basically land on your keister and roll backwards a few more feet. And then she is going to rush forward and try to blindly attack you. So she has disadvantage because she's blinded, but there is a chance that she could actually hit you. It was a 17. So she is going to manage to stab her sword into you. Uh, There is a, a brief moment where the sword itself starts to sort of light up with a bit of energy. And along the hilt, you can see where your name has been carved. <laughs> and she is going to stab at the, from the heart of darkness, because she is in fact blind. That is going to be 25 points of damage as she essentially like tries to staple you to the ground. It's your turn. So I am leaning on to the knife as it has been stabbed into me. Good. At least an attempted argumentation. Just once would you shut up and die. All right. Uh, That's a 24 to hit. (laughs) That'll do it. And I'm going to spend my last spell slot. Uh, That's 22 bludgeoning damage. Okay. What does it look like as she dies? What this looks like is the flail meets her stomach, and she exhales, dropping the knife as she falls to her knees and lies back, and I, with a knife in my gut, drop to my knees and sort of fall down as everything starts swimming in front of my eyes. I may have been mistaken, but at least... The bath is warm. As the lifeblood flows out of her, the handle of your flail, where her name was etched, glows brightly for a second, and then just sort of fades away as these like wisps of light just sort of dance off of the the handle, and her name is erased from the, the handle of your weapon. And as our camera sort of pulls back away from that scene, we see her sword and the, your name on its on her hilt starts to light up, and there's a hint of the lights floating away as that goes completely dark. Well, hopefully you have enjoyed our field trip into the Tome of Foes. Uh, my name again is Michael. I'm the host here at the RPG Academy podcast. You can find everything and all the things that we do, which are very many and varied, at the RPG Academy. And uh, my guest players tonight, I want to... Uh, Say thank you to Calum. Calum, say hello to everyone and tell them who you are and where they can find more of your work on the internet. Hello, everyone. I am Calum from the Rollis Podcast, the London-based show of tabletop RPG fans across the channel, the pond, and beyond. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, WordPress, Facebook, Google+, iTunes, any good podcasting platform, just by typing Pod. That's R-O-L-I-S-T-E-S-P-O-D. Or, alternatively, you can find me on the website of the RPG Academy, where you can find many other excellent shows, including the show of Taylor. (laughs) Hello, friends. So I am Taylor. I run Riverhouse Games. Uh, You can find everything that we do online at riverhousegames.com. I am super thrilled to be part of the RPG Academy Network with my podcast, Game Closet, which is a informal chat show where we talk to all sorts of really awesome queer and LGBT plus people in the tabletop game community, um, including my friend Quinn. 
Yes, I am Quinn Wilson. I sit, not unlike a spider, at the center of a web of one million projects, <laughs> primarily the Swallows of the South podcast, which is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. We are about to enter our final season, so if you're interested in some gripping, heartbreaking storytelling with a with a cast of both performers and characters that are diversity forward, check us out at swallowsofthesouth.com or follow me on Twitter to find various updates on not only that but other projects at M-O-N-K-I-P-I-Q-U-I-N-N. Excellent. Uh, but before we go, I do want to send a, just a very quick and extra special thank you uh, both to Wizards of the Coast for allowing us to be a part of this uh, excellent project. Again, I've been a D&D player my entire life. I'm a, a fanatic, and I just the fact that we get to have any bit of part in like, an official production of the company is just mind-blowing to me. And then very special thank you to Victoria from the Broadsource podcast. She is the one that took the initiative and made this happen and invited us to participate. So thank you both to the company at large and then to Victoria specifically for allowing us to be a part of this. So thank you very much. It was an honor, and I hope we did everyone proud and if anyone out there is listening and does have complaints because i know we messed up the rules you can email me at the rpgacademy.com or if you want to know how that adventure was supposed to happen because it did not go in any way like i expected you can email me about that as well so with that we will say good night so thank you again and we'll see you next time bye-bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at therpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at therpgacademy. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.